0: All right. Excellent. Well, wow, we have a really lopsided church today. So I, I know. I feel like I'm sort of tilting. And now it's now it's just abandoned. Now we are a hundred percent over here. I think I'm just gonna move here, Jake. There we go. We're just gonna. Yeah, that's right, we're all a little, biased. I like it, I like it, everybody's thinking the same thing. Well, I can't change that, I'm sorry, the fact that I'm too loud. There's not really much I can do about that, to be real honest. All right, so we're going to talk about grace today. There it is. Um, grace, see I have, a, I have an interesting relationship with grace. I actually once wrote a song called Grace and I, in which... I talked about the lyrics talk about um, grace being an awkward situation for me um, i 've always i 've always thought grace is is a little bit awkward, and I think the reason is because I think it 's a you know I, I see the warm fuzzies right everybody everybody talks about grace and gets the warm fuzzies because oh, look how great God is and and how much God loves me, and that's that 's all that 's true, and I get that. But I also see grace as sort of this this awesome power of God that is to be respected and and you know feared in a in a healthy way, obviously. Um, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, unlike Jake, I say this every time I every time I teach at all. I always say, unlike Jake, I believe in definitions. Um, Jake likes to define things by what they are not because he's a mystic. Um, I have a little bit of mystic in me, I enjoy the mystics, uh, it's why, gr- it's, it's why uh, Jake and I get along in fact, um, but I, I also enjoy definitions, I like to know what something is. Uh, so we have three definitions of grace. Um, so the classical definition, and this is, so this is sort of uh, right there, the, oh I got it, yeah, ha. Um, I'm totally going to use this this pointer way too often just because I have it. I'm just letting you know. Uh, so the classical definition, this is actually the common use English definition. Uh, comes to English from the Latin gratis through old French. Gratia meaning pleasing or thankful. Uh, gratis actually also came directly into the English language. Uh, the Greek, which is uh, a little bit more biblical. Uh, charis from Cairo meaning happy or cheerful. There is also... Um, a Hebrew derivative uh, from Hebrew, prob- probably chen. I don't, I don't, I'm not up on my Hebrew pronunciation, meaning mercy, kindness, and goodness, uh, derived by channin, connotating to reach below or to stoop in kindness. Um, so that's those are really the more more biblical definitions that we're going to look at. Obviously, Hebrew uh, and Greek being two of the primary languages the, the Bible is written in, uh, and this is this is actually. Just an aside, so if you're taking notes, you know, you don't need to take notes on this. Um, but people ask from time to time okay, so why is it in English that there is this separation between the common use definition of a word and the quote unquote biblical definition? You hear uh, teachers in English talk a lot about, well, the biblical definition or the, you know, the. The biblical way we define or look at something is different from the common use language. uh we've changed slides here, there we go um and this this is why, right here, this is the complete unabridged history of the English language right here. Um, yeah, right yeah well hey i I didn't do this, yeah, it's. It's really nice, isn't it? This is what happens when when linguists uh yeah, yeah, just don't yeah. Good, good man. Place like I don't want to see this. Um so this is the history of the English language. I did not do this, by the way. Um and all the various influences. So Celtic, Latin, this is actually during the Roman occupation, some some bad things happen uh to the English. Uh and right in here is kind of this is the area where we're starting to get modern English um, and this is actually where we get so uh, when we talk about peace when we talk about grace uh, and we're saying things are coming from the old French this it's, it's happening right in here so you know around 1100 AD is where we're starting to get the modern English words all right um but the overall, the overall point is we've got all of these influences on English language and nowhere in there is Hebrew or Aramaic or even really Greek. I mean, we, we, get, some, we get some Greek in the Renaissance. That's partly actually because of the influence of Christianity. Uh, same thing with Latin, partly the influence of Christianity. Um, but one of the reasons that we struggle as English speakers understanding the nuances of the context of the original text uh, is because... Our language, um, we have roots in Latin, we have roots in, in Germanic languages, Norse languages, the, the Vikings, so that's Scandinavia area. And if that's, I mean, got nothing to do with what they're talking about, what they're, what they're talking in right now. Um, and then even some, and this is actually uh, imports during, during empire, so during the English Empire. Uh, so 1800s on out there uh, influence from the English colonies actually influenced the the English language and that's far enough back that we actually we've inherited some of those words and we think they're English but none of the influences on English have anything to do with the root influences uh, on, on the Hebrew or the Aramaic or the Greek that we're translating the Bible from make sense? So anyway, that's kind of inside. It doesn't really have anything to do with grace, but I just wanted to point that out since I'm always doing definitions. So grace, biblical terminology. Uh, unmerited favor, the undeserved kindness and support of God. That really comes from the, um, the Hebrew conception of grace. And also the unwarranted, unwarranted power to fulfill the will of God and or reflect his nature and character. So comments on grace we all experience grace right um this is a good way to there we go Paul in the Galatians but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control if we have experienced any of those things in any measure we have experienced the grace of God the reason for this is because we don't actually quote-unquote deserve any of these things right um, one of the things that I think it is wise for Christians, certainly, to recognize early and often and frequently is the, pr- <laughs> the, the depraved nature of, of humanity. And you see this right at the beginning. Adam and Eve fall, right? And there are consequences, right, to the sin. Um, rebellious spirit, yada, yada, yada. They're kicked out of the garden, but provision is made for their needs. So there's still a grace of God. Um, so there's this constant, and you, and you see this throughout the Bible. There's this constant sort of interplay between, okay, this is what mankind deserves, and this is what I, God, am going to provide for mankind, regardless. And you see this time and time again. You see it with the you know, you see it with the flood, where God says, "Hey, I'm going to wipe everything out," and, well, I'm going to, I'm going to save a remnant. You see this with Israel, I'm going to send you into captivity, well, I'll save a remnant. You see this in Revelation, right? I'm going to destroy everything, but I'm going to save a remnant, (laughs) right? Um, Why is that? Because God is the creator, and if we're going to hold to God being the creator, we also have to hold to God being the sustainer. And God sustains his creation, which is fallen, which is broken, by his grace, By the unmerited favor of God is why the sun keeps coming up tomorrow morning, right? Um, There is a pastor, I don't know if anyone knows Keith Moore. Apparently not. Everybody's like, no, okay. Uh, So this guy named Keith Moore, you can find him on the internet, um, who uh, gave a sermon once about he he was working through sort of grace with God and the concept of grace. And he tells a story in one of his sermons where he wakes up in the morning, and he just can't function. Like, <laughs> he, he, he can't figure out where anything is. He's like, I, I, I got up, like, I can't, I can't find my shoes. I can't, like, I'm trying to brush my teeth, and I keep dropping the thing, and I can't make my coffee. I finally, I finally managed to get to the church, and I've got, he's, he's also a worship leader, and so he's got his guitar, and he's like, I don't remember any chords, and I don't, I can't, I can't, I can't do anything. And he finally says, God, what is going on? And God says, well, I just wanted you to know, I just wanted you to get a taste of what it's like to not have my grace in your life. Because it it is by my grace that I am sustaining you, even in the little daily things. It is by my creationary power, my love for you that you don't deserve. That I am sustaining everything that you do, every aspect of my creation's life, especially because it is in a fallen state, right? So things aren't working correctly. So the good news is we've all experienced God's grace. The bad news is we all experience ungrace, right? Uh, Ungrace is not a word. (laughs) I'm just letting you know. Don't use ungrace, okay? It is not theologically sound. Um, really, probably what I really mean by that, honestly, is we all experience the brokenness of, of creation. Um, and I feel a little bit like a broken record like that because every time I'm up here, I feel like I'm talking about the brokenness of creation. I don't know, maybe just me. Um, so we all experience ungrace, right? Now note that we don't experience ungrace from God. Sometimes we project the brokenness of this world and bad things that happen. Right? On to God. And that is not the case. I can tell you certainly um, for those of us who are in Christ if God did absolutely nothing else for me except forgive my sin and the rest of my life stunk and really bad things happened and I died a really painful tragic death does God owe me anything? (laughs) Right? No. No i still have my salvation right uh and in the in the broad sense in the long term in the eternal perspective which remember is where god is sitting um that's actually a really good deal (laughs) you know right um and i'm not going to be so worried in the eternal perspective of the tragedy of my my life here because god has saved me from all of that right um, but we don't live in the internal perspective. We live in the, in the here and now, where really bad things happen, and life is obviously very unfair, and life is very unfair all of the time to lots of people. Um, because we live in the society that we live in, and because I know something about the nature of this congregation, I did want to address a little bit um, about where God is in inequality, uh, and I'm not gonna, you know, I don't, I don't have good answers, okay, (laughs) um, but we live in a society that is very concerned about inequality and, and not, you know, not for, without reason, right, um, this is a very difficult world, uh, so I, I do have some comments that I hope are helpful, um, one is that the greed of mankind is a consequence of the fall. Um, we're actually gonna we're going we're gonna sk- we're gonna skip Hobbes for now, um, and this is this is where mankind lives right here. The acts of the flesh are obvious: sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, wi- witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Yada, 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 right? I mean, this is kind of, this is, this is biblically speaking. This is where we live. This is, this is the nature and character of man, which, of course, is the opposite of the nature and character of, of God. And because we have been given an amount of authority to do things, really bad stuff comes out of all of this, right? Um, I think it is incumbent upon the church to push back on that and say, look, this, this situation is not godly. This doesn't conform to the nature and character of God. And it is incumbent upon the church also, and, and Christ makes this very clear: look, address the needs of those around you. You know, we don't always do a great job of that. Um, somebody somewhere, please smile. I mean, my gosh, I, I know, I know this is there. Thank you, Jesus. Man, listen. I, this isn't Hellfire and Rimstone, okay? I mean, I know, I know this is a little tough, but this isn't Hellfire and Brimstone. Jeez, you're all going to hell. No, no. Thank just... you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm here all week. Um, so that's one. So that's one. one, one comment. You know, people ask, like, where, where is God in all this? In all this junk? Well, you know. Some of it, some some of all of this junk is actually a result of God's grace and not just destroying everything, right? Um, I would also comment that God measures differently than we do. We tend to look at outcomes. We tend to look at uh, the unfairness of either either a situation or or an outcome, and God doesn't necessarily. God has kind of a different measuring stick, right? When when Christ is is sitting at the temple with his disciples and he's watching everybody file in and give their offerings, right? The Sadducees come in and they give their offerings, and the Pharisees come in and they give their offerings, and they make a big show of it because this is this is how you demonstrate how spiritual you are, right? It's it's the ancient way of virtue signaling, right? So you come in and you've got your you know you got your big bag of gold, right? And oh, I'm so holy and I'm doing you know yeah, look at me, you know, pouring the clinks and right, right and everybody. Oh, that guy's really holy. Yeah, wow. And, you know, and they've got their special dress on, right? You know, that's what's happening. They're making a show of it. This is why Christ gets so so angry. One of the reasons Christ gets so angry when he visits the temple is because he sees what's going on. And then the peasant woman shows up, right? And the peasant woman. It's not part of any of this political theater that's going on because she's a peasant woman and she's worthless from a social standpoint. And so she comes in and she puts in her minimum, um, which is a another way of saying she gives the lowest possible denomination available. If you translate literally, it would work out to be a fraction of a cent. Just let me you know. Um, And Christ says, hey, guys, look at her. She just gave the greatest because she gave out of her need. She gave out of holiness. She gave out of a sense of God's nature and character. Now, does that mean that her circumstances are are any better because she's holy? No, obviously, her, her physical circumstances are not very good. But her spiritual circumstances are very good. And that's what God's interested in, right? So God measures things a little differently. I would also comment that grace is the great equalizer. This is actually something I learned uh, from, of all people, Joyce Meyer. I hadn't thought about grace in this way. (laughs) Right? (gasps) I know, I know. All the evangelicals are like, ah! You can't listen to Joyce Meyer. Um, She's a woman. But grace is the great equalizer. Right, Uh, And and what Joyce means by that is that God knows your circumstances. Uh, And God can dispense grace, and God does dispense grace for exactly where your circumstances are. And also, I mean, to be fair, um, to much, you know, whom has been given, much will also be required. You know, there are areas in all of our lives where, you know, we have... um, We have an abundance of talent, or an abundance of privilege or an abundance of whatever it is. And there are also areas in all of our lives where we have a lack of talent, a lack of privilege, a lack of whatever it is. God recognizes that. The woman who gave the minimum had a lack of finance. God wasn't interested in how much she gave, Right? Uh, I'm just looking through my notes here real fast. Sorry, that's not really great presentation skills being demonstrated. Yes, okay, one other comment, and that is that as the church, so a comment specifically to the church, if we are to call ourselves by the name of Christ, we are also called to show people Christ in their ungraced circumstances, right? Right? We are to demonstrate the nature and character of Christ when Christ is sitting at the temple watching people put in there. Does that make sense? We are to have the same mindset that Christ had. And that's why he points it out to his disciples. Right? He says, hey, hey, look, 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 guys, this is a teaching moment. This is a teaching moment. This is how you are to see this circumstance and not the way that the rest of the world is seeing this. There's a separation that God calls us. I mean, some people call it holiness. You're separated. You're set aside. Um, but there is a separation between how we are to think as Christians and how the world naturally works. And that's part of the redemptive character of Christ. Right? And that's not because, obviously, grace. Okay, That's not because we're better than anyone. It's just because we're connected to the source. Uh do, 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 do. Jake's back in here. So this is honestly, this is this is at, at this point, this is just for just for Jake. Little Thomas Hobbes quote for ya. Huh? Huh? You like that? Uh, Thomas Hobbes is actually, he's actually talking about the need for a central government. Uh, <laughs> here. Uh, and I and I largely sort of wrote this out, but for for Grace, for for Jake's sake, uh, it's a great comment on the natural state of man. In such a condition there is no knowledge on the face of the earth, no account of time, no arts, no letters, no society, and which is worst of all, continual fear and danger of violent death and the life of man is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. You've probably heard the life of man being you know, nasty, brutish, and short, but that's, that's the longer quote that it's from. A guy named Thomas Hobbes who went on, um, he is the Hobbes of Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin, the theologian, and Hobbes, the philosopher. All right. The rest is basically all personal application. So we are to dwell in grace. All right, and I break this up. So dwell in grace to others. Um, Love your neighbor. Christ says it's the fulfillment of the law. I actually actually sort of accidentally looked this up. The concept of loving your neighbor being the fulfillment of the law actually shows up at least three times in the Bible. It shows up in Deuteronomy, it shows up uh, in the Gospels, and it shows up when, uh, I think it's in Galatians, when Paul quotes Christ quoting Deuteronomy. (laughs) It all goes back. By the way, uh, and this is is kind of a uh, a theological side comment, if you want to understand the law, and how the law relates to God's character and how the law relates to grace and Christ, go read Deuteronomy. Um, because Deuteronomy is really sort of the, the case study of the law as a demonstration of the nature and character of God. And you'll actually find, I went back and read Deuteronomy, um, you know, <laughs> I, say, I say on purpose, <laughs> Uh, I mean, how many times do you say, I'm going to go read Deuteronomy? You know, um, I, you, know you, you, have to, you have to purposely, like, I am going to go read Deuteronomy. Uh, and I discovered that, wow, there's a lot more grace in here than I, than I thought there was, even though this is at a time when the covenant is not a covenant of grace, per se. It's a legal covenant. Um, anyway, side note, go read Deuteronomy. It's great stuff, and then come talk to me, and we'll, we'll, have, some, we'll have some good conversations. Uh, So, love your neighbor. I can tell you. um, I've been thinking about this recently. So, I I can scroll through my Facebook feed. You know what my Facebook feed has become? My Facebook feed has become 30%, more or less, um, ridiculous memes from the conservatives in my life about how terrible liberals are. 20%, more or less ridiculous memes from the liberals in my life about how terrible and evil conservatives are. And the remaining 50%, some combination of advertising, baby pictures and puppy pictures. That's my Facebook feed. (laughs) Um, Right? Uh, I don't necessarily mind the baby pictures. To be perfectly honest, I'm not interested in baby pictures from everyone I've ever known but i seem to get them a lot people i haven't seen for 20 years here's my baby it's great um i'm all for puppy pictures just keep posting those that's great um i like that can't stand the advertising and i'm really getting irritated with being told how i can't be a christian if i vote for whoever and then somebody else telling me, "Well, you can't be a Christian if you vote for the other guy." I'm like, Look, I got two options here. <laughs> um, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, and and also Christians love each other. Uh, part of this, uh, my phone just went off. Um, part of this, I, I think, is not elevating things to an unforgivable sin, which we tend to do. We tend to elevate, and for whatever reason, we're living in a culture right now that I think kind of encourages this, uh, maybe even celebrates it, of elevating uh, a belief system of some kind, um, a political position, a moral position, whatever it is, to kind of an unforgivable thing. So you are either 100% with me or you're 100% against me and if you're and if you're 100% against me, you know, I'm unfriending you and I'm writing you out of my life or I can't sit next to you at church. I mean, we've got churches. Churches in the United States where, you know, the Democrats and the Republicans aren't going out to dinner because they're Democrats and Republicans. And you know, come on. We've got churches in the United States that if you're African American, you you don't want to walk into. You know? Um might work the other way around, too. I don't know. Okay. Um, but all of this is, this is just not God. This is not godly, right? Um, God says there is no unforgivable offense. He's sitting there on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what, they, what they're doing. They don't understand this moment. So forgive them. And we're worried about you know. What's your stance on with us? Out of my life. Um, love your enemy. Love your enemy. Love your friend. Love your neighbor. Love Micah. He needs it. He's sitting here by himself. <laughs> you know. I mean, we got played here too. <laughs> sitting like yeah yeah there it is Hold, holding that down i like it i like it <laughs> holding the pew down uh we are not to judge right christ is very clear on this don't go around judging people now that's that's not to say you know forget about holiness and forget about truth okay but don't be casting in any stones and whatever you do and whatever you say do it in love right we are not to take offense. Um, and I have it up here as, you know, live in a state of forgiveness. Because it, trust me, it really is easier. <laughs> okay. But one of the greatest freeing lessons that, that I learned uh, some time ago now is that I have, through the Holy Spirit, the power to not take offense. And I was like, oh, oh, that's really nice. I don't have to get all worked. I can choose to live in a state of, you know what, I'm I'm not going to take offense of that, even if it's truly offensive. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't things that that you will find offensive, okay, because there are, I mean, we all have touch points, right, and sometimes people are purposely trying to offend you, but the spirit of God is a spirit of forgiveness, and that's where we're supposed to live, and let me tell you, that is so freeing. Oh, my goodness. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, You don't rub me the wrong way, I might, you know, go off on you from time to time. Because, look, I mean, I'm human. I have chosen from time to time to take offense. But I can tell you that it is me choosing to take offense. And it, you know, God says, listen, man, (laughs) you really didn't need to do that. Now you got to work through it. Now you got to go forget. Now we got to do some work in the healing. Now you got to come back to me. Now you got to regain your peace. Now we got to restore. You know, it's just easier just just do yourself a favor, live in a state of constant forgiveness. Again and and Chris talked about this a while ago, uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, that's that's different from like, you know, somebody punches you in the face and, "Well, I'm just going to I'm just going to let him keep punching me in the face cuz I'm living in a state of forgiveness." No. Okay, don't be stupid. <laughs> Just live in forgiveness. they're different things uh and also grace grace is pretty conditionless right um, Grace doesn't withhold benefits as ma- manipulation, and we hear this a lot I will dot 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 if you dot 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 right if this person. Changes their mind on X, or if this person—I'm <laughs> sorry this is this is a totally this is this is a total uh, church from my childhood kind of kind of thing. <laughs> if they apologize to me, I'll sit in their pew again. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean this is the kind of stupid stuff we do, but we do it, you know. Like you know, I I asked, I specifically went to Jeremy and I said, you know, you will. You, Please make sure that you bring an apple cinnamon donut. And he didn't bring an apple cinnamon donut, so I am not sitting in front of him at that pew that I always sit in this week. That is not gonna happen. Jeremy's like, what? Probably doesn't even know it, right? I'm just being an idiot. Right? But this is this is how this is this is how we work, right? Grace with others. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story of grace. Um I can tell I can tell you lots of stories of grace, but for the purpose of time, I won't. I'll only tell you a couple. Uh, so there was a there was a young lady, seventeen years old, in a church that I went to in Columbus, um, and that church was associated with a couple of ministries. One of which was was kind of a homeschool coalition, and in that homeschool coalition was uh, a woman who taught dance, which is pretty good. Um, So she taught beginner and intermediate dance to the girls in this homeschool community, right, of which uh, most of the families in this particular church took part, um, the kids. So the kids would go there, you know, everybody would come on uh, Tuesday nights or whatever, and they'd, you know, um, they'd learn dance kind of in in this house, kind of a home studio, whatever, right. So one of the 17-year-olds in the church, um, you know, she'd been licensed, about a year. Uh, she drops her, her sister off, her younger sister off at the at the dance studio. She's pulling out of the driveway. She puts the car in reverse. Uh, all of a sudden, people are jumping out at her, telling her to stop, you know, flagging her off. So she's like, oh my goodness, what what's going on? And so she slams her brakes and she puts it back. Pulls back up a few feet to where she started from. Uh, And uh, unfortunately, what had happened was a, um, a toddler had gotten away from whoever and had run under the back tire. And she had backed over and then pulled forward. Um, obviously, you know, circumstances like that, the state of Ohio sends, you know, sends everybody, right? All the state troopers show up, they do their thing, yada, yada, yada. Uh, everybody involved is a Christian. Not that that necessarily means that that, you know, automatically makes things go smoother. (laughs) Um, But the family of this toddler takes one of the police officers who went to their church aside and says, listen, will you stop on the way home and deliver a message for us? He says, yeah, I can do that. And they sent him Um, To knock on her door and to tell her specifically that we understand it was an accident. We forgive you. We will not press charges. And we love you. And we want you to be whole. There's some grace in that. A few days later, um, they call her and say, listen, listen if you're interested, not only do they invite her to the funeral, they say, if, if you're interested and if this would be helpful to you, you can sit with us, with the family at the funeral. Again, there's some grace in that, right? Uh, another pastor of mine, when he was in college, he had a sister, uh, senior in high school, and his sister went out on a date, Um, And this was, when this was happening, this would have been early 60s. Um, They go out on a date, and her date wraps the car around a tree, and he's fine. she, She dies. And his father, when contacted by the authorities, you know, um, who wanted to press manslaughter charges. His father goes to the court and refuses to testify against this young man. He refuses to ident- ID him as as the driver. Um, and he did this in such a way that they were forced to drop charges. Then he takes this young man aside and he starts talking to him and, and the, the young guy wanted to be a lawyer and he says, all right, you're going to be a lawyer. And I'm going to, this is a true story. I'm going to pay for your education to be a lawyer. And he did. And this guy went on through, you know, eight years of schooling to become apparently a really very good lawyer. Uh, I was not given his name, and, and one of the reasons I was not given his name is, is I'm like, well, you, you might actually run into him at some point. Um So, grace, undeserved favor, right? Undeserved favor. Now I've got you all depressed. Sorry about that. Um, we are to have that same level of grace with ourselves. Um, stay within yourself, right? I know a lot of people who really struggle with feeling like I've got to accomplish whatever, whatever it is that I've got to accomplish. Right? I got to keep the house clean. I got to, I got to. In my case, get a job. Um, <laughs> I've got to, you know, I got, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to, you know, all these things that I got to do. I got to get all this done, right? What was it, Martha in the Bible? This was the Martha, you know, sort of that Martha mindset. I got all these things to do. Christ! Oh my goodness! Christ is coming. Uh, I got to do all these things. <laughs> You know, the floor's got to be clean, we got to wipe the dog's paws, we got to make dinner. Dinner's got to be perfect, right? Uh, all these things that we got to do, we got to do all this, we got to all this. Okay, Listen, you're not perfect. You're not perfect. You're not perfect. It's okay. Sometimes having grace with yourself is just saying, okay, yeah, we're we're going to take some time. We're going to we're going to back off this thing. We're going to walk away from things. And yes, that might mean the kitchen floor doesn't get mopped. This is not this does not have eternal significance, folks. I'm just I'm just letting you know. I'm just saying I'm just, you know, just pointing that out, all right? Stay within yourself, you know? I mean, if you need to go
1: to bed, go to bed!
0: You know? Um, if you need to stay up until 4, 4 a.m. in the morning playing video games, then stay up until 4 in the morning playing video games. Um, that, <laughs> that was for you, Zach. <laughs> Not so much. Um... Yeah, that's not good. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Let me let me have I ever told you guys the first rule of retail. <laughs> no you, pff, truth. Preach. Preach, Blood. Um I actually I kid you not, when when I was in retail I used to train my staff on this. Two rules of retail. First rule of retail is people are idiots. Just expect it. Don't come into my office complaining about how people are idiots. What's the first rule of retail? People are idiots. Okay. I actually had an associate coming to the sales, sales staff. <laughs> she actually really did. She gets into my office. And she, she stops. She looks at me. She says, first rule of retail. Turns around and walks out. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what the situation was. <laughs> it's just it's the first rule of retail, people are idiots. Just expect it. Second rule of retail, you're an idiot too. <laughs> because you're a person, right? Um, what I really would have liked is she you come in and like, ah, first rule of retail, yeah, and I'm an idiot too. But she didn't do it. Um, listen, we're all idiots, Right? We do, we, we do really incredibly stupid stuff. And sometimes we do outright rebellious and, and hurtful things. But at some point, we have to forgive ourselves if we're going to continue living in God's grace. There is no point for in, in me punishing myself for something that God has said is done. Um, I, was, I was praying. This was when I was in college. I was, I was praying with someone um, Kind of in a ministry setting, and we had, we had a pastor who was just really good at sort of Father Heart of God stuff, um, which, you know, you have to be if you're going to be a campus pastor. Uh, and he was just, just kind of going around praying for people. And he was one of these guys that he would like—he'd always, he'd always put his hand either on your head or your shoulder— and you could tell, like, if he was really getting something from God, because you could feel, I mean, you could just feel like, bam, spirit would come down, and he'd just go off on something, you're like, oh, boy, here we go again. And so I kind of cringe a little, right? So he comes behind me, he's praying for me, and I'm like, oh, I feel, and I'm like, oh, boy, here we go, here we go. And, and my spirit's all jangling, and I'm like, oh, great, here it comes, here it comes. And uh, so he gives me this word. Which starts with, I am the God of creation. I am the God who did this. I am the God who did that. Very similar to the passage in Job. Where God, you know, Job is like, God, and God says, listen, let me give you my resume. You know. Were you there? Where were you, Job, (laughs) when I put the stars in the sky?
1: Where were you,
0: Job, when I made the great Leviathan? Where were you, Job, when I separated? It was kind of like that. Only it was, I am the God who did this. I am the God who did that. I am the God who did And he started from creation, and he, he, working through the Old Testament, and this probably took 30 seconds, but in my mind, it took like five minutes. And I was kind of like, all right, God, I get it. Where are you going with this? You <laughs> know, like, like I've I've read the Bible, man. <laughs> I'm familiar with your resume. <laughs> and finally, this word ends. And Ken, when I say you are forgiven, you are forgiven. And I was like, oh, oh, right, because. My sin's no longer an issue with God because he's taking care of it, but it's an issue with me because I'm holding on. I'm holding on. So forgive yourself. Uh, And also, on a happy note, enjoy the blessings and grace that God's given you. If you have the ability to do something fun, enjoy doing something fun, right? I mean, it's... It's okay to enjoy what we have. God wants us to enjoy what we have. Now we're we're to hold it loosely, we're to share it with people, we're to glorify God, right? With our talents, our times, our resources, our energies. But I think sometimes we, you know, we, we want to turn everything into either you know, like it's either it's either my thing or it's holy, and we don't really enjoy either. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's okay for you know like it's okay for your Xbox to be both personally enjoyable and also holy. Really, it is. It's okay. That's the whole point, right? That is why the curtain tore from top to bottom and God's saying, I'm separating, you know, I'm inviting everyone into the Holy of Holies. We can live there and we can enjoy, right? Got a great car? Enjoy your car. Go pick somebody up. Bring them to church. You know? Got a great razor? Enjoy your razor. Give it to Micah. (laughs) (laughs) If you find for 50 cents the complete works of Bonhoeffer, give it to Jake. Don't read it. Just give it to Jake, <laughs> right? I mean, enjoy you know, enjoy life. Seriously, it's it's okay to enjoy what we have, right? Grace with ourselves. Um, and so, as I get here to, yeah, that, that is my last slide. I realize that I don't actually have an end grace the end so i am going to pray because i don't have a conclusion (laughs) and that's okay i forgive myself (laughs) because i'm living in grace (laughs) oh father lord i thank you for this time to get together have some fun learn about you um and father i pray for everyone here i pray that we would learn to live in your grace and your peace in your holiness, in your favor. Father, we would enjoy spending time with you. We would enjoy your presence in our lives. Even when we're not actively seeking your face or thinking about you, Father, you're still there. And I ask that you would give a special dispensation to everyone here, that we would feel that this week, and that we would demonstrate that this week, and that we would be the church to those around us. In Christ's name. There's this guy. Do you need my mic? No, I'm going
2: to sweet 12 say that.
0: And I- now for a reading from yeah. the complete works. Donna, <laughs> Chapter one. We talked
2: about grace, and so even before, because I didn't know what you were going to get into, I was going to talk about cheap grace versus costly grace, but I'm not. But you can uh, research your boy. You're on welcome. Offer, on, on Google, and honestly, it's a something intellectually or believing something just in word or how you say it and actively living it. Uh, and today it was actually really interesting. So uh, the Lamberts um, who used to be like members of our church, they're still their church family, um, they uh, big Aaron and Little Aaron just pretty much got accepted into the Eastern Orthodox Church. And so it was really cool. I mean I still smell like incense which I, I love like just how every sensation uh, or every sense of your body is meant when you're in those services but something I thought giving grace with what you have, or what you can offer, or as far as what you know, is uh, Chris and Anna had come in, and Chris was holding on to uh, Anna's coat, and this little girl comes over, and she says, hey, can I get that coat for you, and would you like Anna to play with me? That's the best that she could offer, and the first thought that came to her mind was there's someone that's not new. this is one of those practical things of grace. It, it can be as heavy as, you know, with death and things like and We read those stories, but those stories, you don't just get to that place of something traumatic like that happening and saying, I know I'm going to have grace. That comes from the daily things. That comes from the little things as, says, hey, can I grab your coat? Do you want someone to play with you? comes from that stuff that your mentality changes when your everyday, basic, simple thing becomes something So that's what I want us to reflect on, and uh, I think, you know, Ken did a phenomenal job of trying to put words to something that as much as, like, you know, I would say as the mystic that you really can't fully describe, the reason why I would say that is because, like, it truly is unmeasurable. I can't, there's things that God gives me grace to and that you guys give me grace to that I have no idea, you know, that's that's part of what it is, and so since I have no idea of what that looks like, in the same sense, I can't project what that idea will look like when this is what i want us to reflect on to think on this participating community that christ broke himself and poured himself out on our behalf and so in doing so in that grace that he knew already everything that we were going to do that was good and that was bad and he still did it on our behalf he meets us with grace he meets us with mercy whether or not we even understand what that looks like chances are we're pursuing him and going after him because we have something in the back of our mind that we've done wrong or something that we much as we can try to read his resume and we have scripture to do so it's more so than that but the thing is he understands ours perfectly and understands even what is to come that we don't even know and he, he presents himself like this broken and poured out so if the god that we worship does this how ought we should we treat each other as well in the same sense that we should be broken and poured out for each other as the body of christ so when you ready
1: you stand with me as we sing another song of praise together. Your Holy Spirit Conceiving Christ The Son Jesus our Savior We believe In God our Father We believe in Christ The Son We believe in the Holy Spirit Our God is Three in one We believe in the resurrection That we will rise Our judge and our defender Suffered and crucified Forgiveness is in you Descended into darkness You rose in glorious light Forever seated high We believe in God our Father We believe in Christ the Son we believe in the holy spirit our god is three in one we believe in the resurrection that we will rise again for we believe in the name that you are. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for the grace that you bestow upon us. Help us to live in it. Help us to dwell in it. Help us to remember that you have forgiven us, that you give us unmerited favor, that you are always with us. You love us. You are sustaining us. You are our Lord and our Savior. We praise you. May we live this life to honor you, glorify you, and love one another. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you please stay standing as and leads us in you know. Yeah. Shall be holy, holy, holy. Though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of sinful man the glory may not see. Only Thou art holy. God in three Persons, Blessed Trinity. Go, be the church, (laughs) dwell in grace with one another, and love one another, and